Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast and I'm your host Jerry Alexander. One of my key objectives with this show is to help private property or real estate investors move into commercial property investment. And for me, commercial property investing is about investing in assets that are let or rented out to commercial entities or businesses. This is about that murky world beyond residential investing. There's lots of information about residential investing out there, of course, whether that be in podcast form, written form, or even on YouTube or television. It's pretty accessible. Of course, the challenge is always how to validate the information you have. The more there is, the more there is to sift through. But it's different with commercial. I find it quite difficult to find those resources or to find the guidebook. However, if you think about it, to find the guidebook in residential would mean a book that's pretty big. It's about the general principles and the many different aspects and strategies within residential investing. So if you reflect that back to commercial, there are resources, but they tend to be about specific sections or attributes of commercial, but not general principles. The information is often given out by the professional sector, so it might be more legalese or the finer details of finance or perhaps the current hot topic, which is commercial to residential development. And that's super. But there is a wider context to cover. And even agents who are out there every day will occasionally put pen to paper or fingers to the keyboard and create some content. But some of this can be really valuable insight, but often they don't invest themselves or that information is sector specific. I really want to curate information for private investors. And although I do have a niche within commercial, which I'm I'm really aware of, and sometimes I can be very specific about that. And it is, of course, my area of expertise, or at least I consider it is. However, with the help of my guests and a bit of restraint on my part, I want to give you a broader context of how the commercial property market actually works and how you, the current investor, residential investor, can benefit from this fantastic sector, from the great opportunities that are available, and they can really drive growth for your business. And whether that be through uplift in value, which can be significant, versus cash flow, which is one of the main reasons why people are attracted to commercial property investing and letting space to businesses in the first place. As well as recording my own podcast, I do listen to lots of other episodes and podcasts from other producers, whether that be from others in the property industry, which do tend to be residential, or those that are more business related. Some of the content can be amazing, particularly when you get tips that you can immediately apply to your business. And I do hope sometimes you get those from listening to the Commercial Property Investor podcast. But every now and then, the host or speaker of the ones that I listen to discuss a little bit about what's been going on specifically in their business. And I find those episodes or those sections really useful and authentic. 
And in today's episode, I want to give you a bit of a year-end summary of how our progress has been this year and some of our goals for the next 12 months. And as it is that time for reflection, that time of the year, I also want to take a chance to share with you a technique we've been using recently to get more of the, I guess, the on-the-business activities done rather than the in-the-business activities done. And that's by creating a focus of them over and above that day-to-day activity. You know, it's those things you know you need to do, but busyness just takes over. And you'll get to them one day, but it never quite seems to happen. And as you go through your review of your year that has been, and focus on the year ahead, I thought this might help. I've just jotted down some notes of different aspects of our business, which I thought might be of interest to you. A couple of times recently, when I've bumped into listeners to the podcast, they've said things like, "Um, I want a bit more context about what your business is like, or I listen to the show, but I don't quite, I don't think people really realise all the aspects of what you do or the shape of your business. So I thought I'd go through some of that today. So let's just start with the size and shape of our team. So it's been growing steadily over the years, and there are now about 14 of us, give or take, in the property business, that is, not in the hospitality business. And that split between operations and new development or projects, if you will, and the split's roughly 70-30, in operations. And the truth being told is that over previous years, that our day-to-day operations and the development and business acquisition, design, and all those different things have been a bit too blended. So one of the things I've been really trying to focus on this year is teasing that apart and creating a better structure. And one of the first things I really want to talk about and I'm I'm pleased about from this year is that that has been going fairly well. And don't get me wrong, I don't want them to be in completely different silos, operations over there and the development team over there, But before it was all just a bit too messy. So now we have more of an operations team, which is is effectively our our business called Liberty Space. That's our opco, our operations business. And a different, smaller team who are more focused on the investment and development side of the business. And there'll still be some times when those teams are, are blending a little bit. But it's, I think, important to try and differentiate them, particularly as we grow our letting side of the business. Because although at the moment we only manage our our own stock, there will be an opportunity occasionally to manage properties on on behalf of others. So let's just move into some of the other aspects of the year. And without a doubt, the hardest part of this year for us has been the hospitality business. Of course it has. And trying to deal with a constantly changing picture. New customer habits, of course, which are um, related to what's been going on with COVID and how they mingle, how they go out, how much they're going out, all those sorts of things. Plus, plus, of course, customers don't really care about what's going on in the background, but some of the other things that have been really, really challenging this year are, I mean, it's been in the press, hasn't it? But recruiting staff, really difficult, constant stock shortages. You put in orders, but they just don't turn up. New customer eating habits, as I say, government policy changes. and rising costs. It's just been really difficult. There's been lots of different things going on there. So we're just trying to work out the best way to keep that business focused and what way to utilise some of those changes because changes do create opportunities. So it's just making sure that we're being positive and approaching that business in a way that's productive for the future. But there's no doubt it's been challenging. 
We have added some great staff, though, to our business, both the hospitality and the operations business. And we've started working with a couple of new project managers for more of the development activity, which has been great. It's meant that um, a couple of our larger projects that we've been doing have had people that have been specifically looking after those, whereas in the past we might have tried to do multi-projects with with one or two people, um, or should I say with me. <laughs> and that means that things don't always get done as well as they could do. We've also added in a new community manager at one of our locations, which has allowed us to develop other skills and activities that were previously ignored a little bit too much. So that's been fantastic. And our CPIFM project or the flour mill, the main focus has been on the ground floor works. So this space is around about, the, the total ground floor is about two and a half thousand square feet. But we've only been using eight or nine hundred square feet that was developed as part of the original mill development. It's kind of our business lounge. But there's about two thousand square foot through the back that we've been redeveloping. It used to be, I mean, it's been lots of different things over the years, but I think personally, um, a good part of it was stables. There's been a little bit of evidence of that over the time that we've been peeling back the layers in that space. It's uh, just to give a description, it's basically um, basement slash ground floor, depending on which element of the building you're on. There's, there's a first floor, which was a ground floor, which has got an entrance straight in off the, the ground level. But we also, in another part of the building, have a lower ground level, which is effectively part of this space. And the back of this goes against the ground level. So we've actually got almost a retaining wall. So there's no light, come, not natural light coming in at that elevation. So part of this is to try and create more light by bringing it in from other parts of the building and also redevelop the space, which has been all sorts of things. As I say, it's been a stables. I think it's been a delivery depot. It's been a changing room for a local football team. It's been a car repair garage pub basement, lots of beer paraphernalia and keg tops and things when we've we've cleared that space out. And when we originally viewed, there was lots of crawling around underneath floors and in basements that you didn't even know were there. It, it was quite extraordinary. But it's really coming together. Um, we actually have the event space now almost complete. We actually had an event in there yesterday. <laughs> yes, there was a few wires hanging out the walls and things and maybe not quite the right flooring, but you know, it's nearly there. It's certainly significantly different than where it was at the start of this year. And it has been one of those areas that we've deliberately left whilst we got the other private and um, shared spaces ready. But now this is our, our main focus. So what it's going to create is an event space, some meeting rooms, and in, an increased um, square footage for the business lounge. And Next door, we have a smaller building, which is on the same level, which we've been installing um, new levels in our part of the building or the main part of the building to allow us to knock through and create one big space, which will be over 3,000 square foot, which will be venue, business lounge, event space. Really looking forward to all that getting done. That's one of our, our, our key things to focus on on this year coming, but more on that in a little bit. So the other um, aspect that I've been working on over the last year, and I guess nearly two years now, is this thing. It's this podcast, it's the consulting business. And for me, as businesses mature, talking more about our operations business, I think it becomes quite natural as you get asked questions about how do things work? How do you do this? Could I bend your ear for a minute? <laughs> Could I ask for your um, 
your input, you, you kind of develop a consulting business. It, it's just kind of natural, I think. And, and I really enjoy that aspect. I love working with people and, and helping them um, get more focus and clarity. And we've had our mastermind program that's kind of developed out of that and what customers were asking. Because over the years, I've worked with quite a number of people and, and I've also been on a few masterminds myself. So the mastermind has been really interesting. We've just yesterday completed our second mastermind. They, they run for about nine months. And we've also got our more advanced program set up and running too. So that, that's been um, a really good part of this year. Plus, we've done a few tour days, which has been um, interesting. I always learn lots from those because you get um, an outsider's perspective on what we've been doing. And I'm looking forward to next January 27th is when we start our new intake for the Mastermind. And that's shaping up to be quite interesting. Some quite interesting characters and backgrounds coming on that program with us. And, and you know, at the end of the day, it's all about the customers and those that are there to learn. But, you know, I learn lots going through that process. Apart from anything else, all of us in the room get an opportunity to see what other people are doing and other things that people are going through. Whereas if you're just doing more of a one-to-one, -one, it's quite challenging to cover all those topics because you don't always ask the question. It's not always something that you discuss and comes up in conversation. Whereas when you're in a group of peers, Everybody's trying things from different angles and doing different types of projects and developments to create more value in commercials. It's really interesting. Anyway, I'm really looking forward to getting on with that more and more next year. And as the feedback comes in, um, and we do slight experiments, um, we're improving that all the time. So moving on to another aspect of the business, the container storage we um, acquired a site just more than just over 12 months ago, about 18 months ago now. But that has really helped our existing stock. Now, don't get me wrong. We've got about 100 containers across our sites. It's not a huge part of our business. It's a really interesting part of the business that I really enjoy. But it's the acquisition of a site that was performing well, but on low rates. It's got really good visibility. It's allowed us to cross-sell our other container storage, and we've been 100% occupied since we took on that other site. So that was quite interesting. Got good learning there about that visibility. And although I knew that site was performing well, I didn't fully anticipate how well it was going to affect our other locations. So those cross-selling opportunities have, have been really good. But also existing customer requirements in our, uh, in our buildings where we have containers um, has has improved quite significantly. And I guess that's maybe because of the part partly to do with the customers we have in. It might be to do with stock control at the moment and with COVID and that stock is an issue. But either way, container storage is, is going really well. The Saltar House project, or if you follow our hashtags on Instagram, it'd be the CPI Saltar project, is still ongoing. The first spaces should be available in the new year. So I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of an insight into that. It, it's not been our major focus this year, which has been disappointing. But I can reconcile that with the fact that our other areas have been progressing well. And I guess resources are finite and we just have to be patient. Having said that, there is progress. There are rooms um, being built right now. Um, we've had joiners in there for um, quite a period um, in this last quarter of this year. There are roughly 10 spaces created. At the moment, we're creating about another six. 
The finishings have to go in, though, and that will be happening in January, February. So my goal uh, for that particular project is to get a customer in there in the, in, that's in the wing that we're developing, because the other part is already let, um, by the end of March. <laughs> there you go. I've put it out there. I shall let you know how I get on. Incidentally, I mentioned there about the um, hashtag CPI Saltar. The other project that I talked about, the flour mill, that is CPI FM. If you're interested in looking at some of the pictures and things, you'll find us on Instagram. It's jerryalexander.commercial. There'll be a link in the show notes. So another interesting aspect I thought I'd bring up, because I know people mention this and ask me about this quite a lot, is private investor finance. So over the course of the last 12 months, we've returned... Um, in excess of 30 grand of interest to some of our private investors. It's not a huge part of our finance pot, but I want to increase that. And the purchase of the CPI Saltar project was done through private finance. There's no bank debt on that, which is quite interesting. There is a significant amount of investment came from ourselves and from our cash flow, but we did top all of that with private investors, which was great. So it was about 50-50 we did on that project with private investors and our own finance. But we have two sorts of private finance, just to give a bit more context. There's those long-term loans, which we've had for um, a considerable period of time, and they just in consistent rate of return for them. And then there's the more short-term project finance, because, of course, private investors have different criteria and different goals, haven't they? Sometimes they want short-term um, interest on their money because it's sitting waiting, it's allocated something, but it's sitting waiting for a period of months, so they, they'd like to try and get a return. Or for others, it's more of a long-term investment. They just need a good in, a rate of return compared with the bank. But they like it to be reasonably liquid, so we have to set that up in a way that suits them and us. But over this last 12 months, we've raised over about 300 grand's worth of short-term finance, which is more to do with some acquisition but really more to do with project development. So, I mean, if you're interested in working with us on, on any of that type of stuff, then obviously reach out. But I just thought I'd pop that in to give you a bit more context of, of what we've been doing last year in terms of finance. Um, but another exciting thing for me was that this has been the first full year where we've had, and I'm hesitating because I don't necessarily talk about this in the podcast, but again, I was challenged about it in um, some networking recently. So, this is our first full year where our turnover across the portfolio for rent, not for the additional services and things, for the rental income for space, has just um, turned over seven figures. So I'm really excited about that. I think it's, um, it's amazing to think that our first year, when we bought that first two-bedroom house to let, our turnover was about £4,000. So um, it's, you know, we've been at this for quite a long time, to be fair. And certainly there's those that have been much faster. But that's a goal that we've had for a while. And it's super good to see the accounts and confirm that specific target has been met this year. So a new process um, I want to cover with you, we've been using with our team, is to focus on 90-day goals or sprints, as some people call them. And the principle is that rather than trying to focus on lots of different targets and goals, and not really attaining any real progress, you focus in on two or three very specific tasks. You know, those activities that you've been talking about doing for ages, but never quite get them done. I mentioned this back at the start. 
Let me just give you a bit more detail on this. I think it's really, um, it's a great topic for this time of year. And I hope that some of you listening to this will start using this because it's really been working quite interestingly for us. And we have a number of big projects that we just weren't able to get over the line. Now, there's lots of fingers pointing back at me and my processes, but we're now going to close out a few of those after our recent 90-day cycle. For example, we focused on unifying our pricing structure across all of our sites. Because we have people working in different locations, we have different types of customers and offer, it's quite difficult actually to get an approach across all those sites that is unified. It's really quite difficult. And it's something we've talked about many times but never actually managed to do. Well, I think we're there now. But it's one of those things that you're working on rather than in the business. So it tends to get, I guess, put off. But by using this technique, it gives that focus. Another one might be or has been our cloud-based invoicing and customer care systems. We have had a system we've been using for a number of years, but it's creaking a little bit. They're changing their kind of criteria. We've changed a little bit in our offer. So we've been out hunting for a new system. And with focus, and I have to say, not from me, from some really good members of our team, we've managed to find that now and we're starting to roll that out to our to our customers. So that's been a big project too. So why don't you try it in your business? And, and I have read about it before and I heard um, Mike Stenhouse from Inside Property Investing Podcast talk about that over the summer and it gave me the impetus, right, let's give this another go in our business. Another example could be more on completion of outstanding physical building works or redevelopment projects. And they're really important. Of course they are. But I think the best things to focus on with this technique are those parts of the business that are not the everyday activities, the things that tend to get lost in the day-to-day. They just don't get the attention they need. So it's more of those things that are activities that are working on the business. A 90-day plan with regular team check-ins really does help get these on-the-business things done rather than the -the in-the-business activities. And there's steps to it, right? So without going into an entire podcast about this, you need to take some time with the team to explain and agree the process. Obviously, there needs to be some buy-in here, and not everybody buys in at the start, and that's fine. But it's important then to each set your own objectives. What are your projects you're going to work on? And then we need to try and build a, a form and agree a form of accountability. So once you've set those objectives or confirm those objectives with everybody else because sometimes you're going to have to park some and do them next 90 days. You can't do everything at the start. So pick some that need to get done. Maybe pick less than you maybe think you can get done this time and next time round if you need to do more because actually they were easy to get done. Well, you'll have a bit more experience and you'll be able to choose some more. Confirm what they are and then review monthly. Set up those team meetings, those individual team meetings with the individuals that will help make those things happen. And then get better at it and repeat. And our team is now about 14, as I said earlier on, in operations and development business. Plus, of course, there's a number in the hospitality business and some of those are involved in this process. But not everybody, of course, is involved at that kind of managerial level, I guess. And you have to work out who this is going to work with and who um, needs to get on with that day-to-day activity. So I hope that's helped because I, I really f- I feel that's something that has worked well for us and we're actually, after this podcast episode, in fact, I'm going to be going down to meet our team and we're going to be reviewing our last 90 days 
and setting up for our next 90 days. So let's talk about next year, because <laughs> although it's the next 90 days, I'm going to talk about the next year, and some of those are projects, and not necessarily 90 day goals, but let me just tell you some of the things that we're going to be working on, or at least I'm going to be focusing on. And those two projects I mentioned, the flour mill and the salt tower project, those two major projects, really, I want to get those completed next year. There are a number of other smaller in-house projects or redevelopments or redoing of toilet sections, things that will need to get done, but they're almost more of the day-to-day. And there's always ways to improve your offer, whether it's a new ceiling here or a carpet there, new welfare facilities, whatever it is. And you can do them all at once. You just have to accept that, but also you need to do them um, on a reasonably consistent basis. So those two projects are about 18,000 square foot of space that I want to bring to market over this next 12-month period. I also want to find a new 15,000 plus square foot project. I need to um, make sure that the bus keeps moving and we get another project to feed into the into the beast as we grow this business. What's been interesting is for me, I wanted to get to six locations that were multi-let rather than um, FRI leases or, or single-let properties because I recognised that would give me the infrastructure and the critical mass to be able to then add new buildings without necessarily adding lots of more overhead or team. So this next project, whatever it's going to be, and there's a few irons in the fire, of course, but whatever it's going to be, I'm going to really excited about that because it's going to test whether this theory that I've had for a few years about building the team to a certain size is actually correct. <laughs> so that's one of my focuses for this year is to find that next project whilst filling out or finishing off our existing two major developments. So another part of that is that I actually do want to find, it doesn't have to be a 15,000 square foot project, but an additional site to complement one of our other locations. So one of our locations is doing really well, and I recognise that we don't have enough space there. And as I've mentioned on previously on podcasts, two locations close together can work really well. It's great for cross-selling. I mentioned that about the containers earlier on. Those sites that I that have done well are all quite close. They're maybe five miles of each other. The occupancy of one building, or in the case of the containers, container site, when it's full, if you've got something reasonably close by, you can cross-sell. You can, if the product type is just slightly different, you can um, move customers between those buildings if they are growing and you're looking for flexibility and they want to maybe change their aspect of what they do and maybe one building's got a slightly different either vibe or type of product or type of space, then rather than that person moving out and going to somebody else, you can try and cross-sell your other location. But of course, if they're close together, it also helps condense management and marketing and all those things. So finding two sites close together, slightly different, but complement each other is a great thing to do. Just throwing that in there, it's another thing that I have to get done this year is finding another site to complement that existing project. So another aspect just to quickly touch on is I want to develop a relationship with two to three more private investors. So I mentioned earlier on about some of the money that we've been paying out, but it does take time to build trust, of course, but you have to start somewhere. But as we develop our property portfolio and our offer, I want to bring more of that type of finance in. It's great to offer friends, family, whatever, um, a good rate of return on their money, 
but also it's great creating new friends and working with new people that want to invest their money and they maybe don't have the time to create a decent return. And what I've found is that once you've worked with people for a couple of projects, then the money can come back more freely because there's a track record and trust has been established. So there has been occasions where, um, obviously this is a good level of trust, where I've picked up the phone and the next day there's 50 grand in the account because we just have such a good level of trust and understanding. But that's not going to work for everybody and you can't expect it to. However, over time, if you build these relationships, developing those private um, investor relationships, you will find it increasingly more easy because you've got the track record. So anyway, another part of my goals, two to three new private investors this year. And then to wrap up, I want to continue to build our network of commercial property investors. I want to continue with the podcast and developing the CPI network. It's been really good. And I want to increase the amount of time spent sharing, learning and helping investors get projects over the line, including the second building for a number of the individuals that I've been working with over the last sort of year or so that have bought a building. It's going to be great seeing them move on to that scale when they when they get the next one. Because the first one, you're always a bit nervous, or most people are a bit nervous about it and not sure, and is this going to work, and am I making the right decision, and is this the right property, and all those things that you worry about. But once you get that one over the line and they start getting the occupancy, um, it, it, it gives you the confidence, right? So the next one is a bit maybe a bit more ambitious, but the next one, you've got a bit more confidence about it, and I'm just really looking forward to going through that process over the next 12 months too. So it has been an up and down year. Um, not just for us, of course, for everybody. Um, but one of the toughest things is being consistent when everything around you is constantly changing. And of course, to keep on the right track, you need to keep checking that what you're doing is still going to fit how the market's changed. But you've also got to balance that with not being too distracted with all the flipping noise. And for me, one of the key things to counteract that has been having a good network of people around me, to have those conversations, those light conversations, to get more insights from others and what they're up to, to counteract maybe some of the noise that you're hearing. And as I mentioned during last week's podcast, this time of year is a great time of year for reflection, for those discussions, either with yourself or with others, just to make sure you're focused on how good next year can be and what the possibilities are, rather than what the distractions or roadblocks could be. We all have a choice to make 2022 a really important year for us, or just let 2022 happen to you. See, the choice is yours, right? So take some time to reflect and plan for what you want 2022 to be for you. Now, as always, thank you so much for listening to the podcast and making it through to this stage. And if you want to learn more about commercial investing, then check out our website. It's all the usual W's, commercialpropertyinvestor.co.uk or jump on the Facebook group, which is all the W's again, facebook.com forward slash commercial property investor. And in there you'll find peers who are also working in this great sector. You do need to click on the link to the group and apply to come into the group rather than just the page to actually see where the conversations are going on. And just one last thing, I have a couple of speaking gigs coming up at the start of next year. It would be great if any of you are around in the vicinity, feel free to pop in and uh, have a chat. 
I'm going to try and get a section on the website about that, just where I'm speaking. If there's any gigs I'm going to be going to or anything like that. Not that I do loads, but I do do some. And it's always great because at those forums, that's where I get a lot of feedback about the podcast. (laughs) Questions that people ask that maybe they like topics discussed. And also, of course, just feedback in general about, you know, maybe you should include this or you're talking too much about that. I mean, it's great. All feedback is great. Thank you. So if any of you do happen to be near the vicinity of any of those events, then it'd be great for you to come and join us. So that wraps it up for this show. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and we shall speak to you again very soon. 